Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the upcoming. Doctors, lawyers, entrepreneurs, it doesn't matter. We're here to talk about all the best and the brightest as they make their way to their dream careers. I'm your host, Jonathan Carr. Join me as we have a spectacular conversation with an equally spectacular person. You ready? Let's go. Hello, world, and welcome to The Upcoming, the perfect place to catch the best and brightest on their way to the top. Joining me now for the upcoming's 14th episode, straight out of North Carolina, he is an alum of East Carolina University with a bachelor's in design with mechanical engineering, where he also served as a 3D printing assistant. He is now a process engineer out to make his mark on the technological world. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the magnificent Sky Harrell. How's it going, Sky? I'm doing well. Thank you very much. How about yourself? <laughs> I'm doing fantastic, man. Thanks so much for asking. So one thing in the upcoming is I do like to give my guests a chance to introduce themselves. So in your own words, Sky, who and what exactly are you? Um, I guess... I, at best, I am the jack of all trades and the master at finding more trades. Um, I, I've always had a, a, a love for a lot of different things, but um, I mean, career-wise, you know, my passion for design and engineering started with, uh, you know, me being a, a huge car guy, and um, I, I fell in love with the art and design and cars, and you know, eventually when I got my own car as I got older, you know, I became fascinated with the engineering and eventually I just came to the point of putting it all together. And then, you know, um, I ended up finding more of a passion in other things in engineering and technology besides cars. And um, that followed me through high school where I went to a technological school or a a magnet engineering school. And then I went to VCU where I pursued mechanical design and um, you know, now as a, a process engineer where I get to use design engineering, um, you know, it's it's a blessing. And then outside of my career, I like to do a lot of volunteering. I started out as a volunteer tutor and even now I'm a private tutor, but I also still help with volunteering every now and then. Uh, huge passion within mental health and suicide awareness. That's always been something dear to my heart. And I've led a lot of programs through college and even, you know, personal efforts uh, with, you know, friends or family or even strangers, um, big and being for the community and big and learning and being more every day. Now we're back to recording. All right, Sky. So thank you for that awesome uh, introduction of yourself. So, you know, I'm curious as you've continued to let's actually let's take it to the very start because i actually want to know more about you know just coming up and getting into mechanical engineering in the face what were some of the activities and some of the um lessons that you would do or just some of the basic things you would do in life the games or whatever that just got you like so deep into mechanical engineering that you knew like this is what i want to do this is my destiny well, you know, I, again, I, I've always been deep into cars and, you know, I've, I've, you know, that's, that's anything from a sports car to a minivan, you know, I, I see art in a lot of different things. And, you know, as I, 
I got older and I started driving. And then when I eventually got my own car, you know, I've became more fascinated with the the engineering and, you know, just the mechanics in general to the point of either making it go faster or slower. And I always grew up with this dream that I wanted to be a car designer. So, you know, that was the path that I, I chose and my passion didn't change from age five all the way to, you know, 13 and 14 and 15. So I, I just stayed along that path growing up and I was I specifically went to a high school for engineering and you know uh, within that four years you know you do classes like uh, introduction to engineering principles of engineering digital electronics uh, you know we'll solder uh, or uh, probably solder I always pronounce it wrong but we'll solder um, you know like circuit boards with wires uh, we'll program CNC machines and um, you know, we, I program PLCs, which are uh, project lot, I'm sorry, program logical controllers. Uh, I have my own personal 3D printer. Uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of different things. And that's what I love about my path is that it's very broad. So it doesn't pigeonhole me in into just one discipline. Because um, originally, I, I just want to stick along with cars. But you know, uh, God provided me the vision and the, the wisdom to stick along this path that gave me more routes than just, you know, what I thought was all that I needed. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's been across pretty much every uh, discipline in, in some way, shape or form, but mainly mechanical and electrical. Um, and, you know, also we went through quality assurance and, um, you know, process engineering and it, there's it's such a, a large array of different things, but I at best I would say a lot of uh, manufacturing type engineering. Yeah, that's really cool. So I actually want to uh, dive a little bit more into your passion with cars because you know you've, I know you've been really interested in fascinated with the mechanics of cars, but I'm really um, thinking about like the type of cars. Like, what sort of like brand would you say or of car would you say like has sort of been your biggest like maybe fascination or your biggest obsession has it been like lexus ferrari um nissan well that's that's the thing is i've always so my my favorite brand has always been bentley and it, it doesn't necessarily have to be an expensive british or german car but what i love about bentley is, is there's no compromise you know, they, they stick to aesthetics and as well as engineering and as well as luxury. And it's like, you have all of the above, nothing's compromised and it's, it's a great all around car. So that's, that's what draws me the most. Um, I currently have a WRX STI, a, a 2020. And, you know, the same thing drew me to that is it, it looks great. It functionally, it, you know, it can survive through a snowstorm, but also have a track day. Um, you know, and it's it's comfortable. I won't say it's luxury, luxury subjective to what people think is luxury, but you know, I still have suede and leather seats and heated seats and I get Apple CarPlay. So, you know, it's like I like things that come in all in one package from, you know, it could be like the the new Rivian R1T where you get uh, an electric pickup truck that can beat a Hellcat, you know, with 700 horse, 700 plus horsepower. Um, I have love for uh, 
definitely like the the new is 500 also the new is 350f sport um i mean I, every every brand brings something to the table i love everything from american muscle to jdm to uh german and, and british engineering as well so um i, I got love for it everywhere but i i like i like brands and i like um specific projects within those automakers that you know bring everything to the table at once yeah yeah and you know one thing i was hearing about you when you were talking about all around with bentley is that they've managed to be like consistent with their features and with their um with their benefits so <laughs> You know, that's definitely something to appreciate when they don't go, you know, off the rails and try something completely different just to mess everything else up. So yeah. how's like when you think about cars, uh, what other like if there was anything like you would say Bentley needs to improve on? Like, what would you what would you say it is like? What is a one like little at least one like little critique you have about uh, Bentley? Uh, you know, honestly, for uh, maybe this is because of my bias, but I, I don't really have any strong critiques or even tiny ones. If anything, I, I just have a challenge to Bentley, which would be to uh, try to fulfill the more affordable end of the car market. And I know with brands like Rolls Royce and Bentley and Lamborghini, a lot of the higher end automakers, you know, it's it's. There's no need to get to the affordable end because the whole point of it is to be exclusive. The whole point of it is for it to be high end because they're putting in a high end, you know, level of engineering and design. So I there's really no need for them to do that. But if I were to give them a challenge, you know, I would like for them to see if they can uh, top Mercedes, which is like my second favorite brand of all time, because um mercedes just hits that's that's the thing i love bentley and bentley was always a um something i've cherished since i was a child but you know as i grew and became older you know i learned that mercedes really has it in every market now mind you german engineering is extremely complex for no reason sometimes but um you know mercedes has a great uh, affordable line of cars, you know, you can jump back and forth between the, the A class, the CLA, even C class, which is more common, you know, uh, maybe, I mean, they don't have an, an active mass production pickup truck right now, but, you know, SUVs are still great. Uh, you know, they, they hit everything on the line. And then even in um, actual, you know, uh, like racing performance, uh, AMG's touch on Mercedes has been amazing. They've, they've crossed boundaries that, you know, Bentley is, it's, is still not even in the conversation with. So that's where it's just like, I would like to see Bentley achieve a lot of the things Mercedes has done because Mercedes still has a Bentley tier vehicle being, you know, Mercedes bought uh, or acquired Maybach or Maybach. And, um, you know, even aside from Maybach, they still have their S classes and their G classes. So they've hit the luxury end and I would say the pinnacle of the luxury end. But um, they also have the affordable end where these are cars you don't have to go to 
you know, the, the more affluent sides of Tallahassee. So, you know, I would, I would challenge, I would challenge Bentley to see if they can hit the affordable car market uh, just as well as Mercedes has. Yeah. Yeah. And just when you were listing all the things about Mercedes, it got me really thinking like there've been like, I know some just really just genius and creative um, ways that, you know, the executives behind Mercedes and behind Bentley have, put forth to get to the top where they are but when you think about you know just the more we talk about um the cars and like you know with let's say bentley and mercedes and all the other ones ford lamborghini um toyotas because now it's got me now you've got me thinking about just the international market of cars Mm -hmm. and just how they try to compete so you know how do you like sort of how would you sort of like analyze the sort of ideas and let's say ambitions of the different countries manufacturing cars like comparing the american german like japanese sort of markets how would you analyze just the way they've tried to like top each other uh well you know it it, everybody hits uh everybody hits a, a different target very well so you know like for example jdm or you know uh cars produced out of Japan or, you know, uh, Asian, I'll say, I won't even just say JDM, but, uh, you know, a lot of cars coming out of East Asia, just out that way in general, have been uh, top tier in manufacturing and production. So Toyota, for example, is like, you know, the godfather of mass producing cars. And, you know, they hit a, a very good, nail on the head about um, creating a, a great car that is built to last. Um, there's Toyota Tacomas that are from like 2004 that are about the same price as a 2020 now, you know, like they, they know how to build things that hold value and that's something to appreciate. Um, but, you know, on the other hand, you have like uh, a lot of uh, German automakers who know how to build you know a a very high performing car uh you know bentley is i'm sorry not bentley mercedes is great but there's also bmw i love audi with all of my heart even though i personally cannot afford the maintenance on an audi um you know and that's again it's just like they hit the the engineering aspect very well but it's like when it comes to maintenance, it, it's so much more of a drag on a Mercedes or a BMW or an Audi. Um, you know, even uh, a lot of American producers now, you have a lot of, uh, you know, General Motors and uh, Fiat Chrysler, uh, you know, even down to some of our new EVs like, you know, Tesla. Well, Tesla's been in the market for over a decade now but you have like rivian and lucid motors who are you know reaching the we know how to make really good cars at a really good price but we also know how to perform and keep up with the engineering of you know uh uh it's kind of like bringing it all together because that's what America kind of is at the end of the day. This this really big, you know, melting pot or salad bowl, depending on how you look at it. But America's kind of brought all of it together in a way. So, you know, as far as 
um, you know, manufacturing and just overall engineering goals, uh, you know, it's kind of like internationally, every market has like a specific target, but because everybody, you know, migrates to, uh, you know, North America in one way or another, it's all kind of come all together, you know, here in the States. So I, I, I have a lot of love for, you know, what we can, what we're capable of in um, the States, but I also do appreciate where a lot of these ideas and where a lot of these, uh, these concepts started, which was outside of this country. Wow. Yeah, just the differences, like the creative and cultural differences between like the different countries and the um, business markets involved. It's just really fascinating, isn't it? Just the way they can all work the way they do. Yeah, definitely. Going forward into, um, step away from cards a second, going into your role as an engineer, just because I'm really interested to hear about sort of just the path you had to take to um, get to the position you're in. And I want to start with um, your studies. So we both know when it comes to engineering, that requires a lot of math, to say the least. <laughs> a lot of math and rigorous ones too, calculus, algebra, geometry. So, you know, when you're, when you were studying and when you were um, working your way to get your, uh, get your degree, how did you, what, how were you able to like get past those classes? What techniques did you use? Well, I, I'm very logic minded and very, uh, you know, everything's kind of a puzzle to me, or at least the things that excite me the most are typically puzzles. So, you know, that's typically the type of people that fit in a industry like this or in a career field like this, or people that are very big logical thinkers, people that like to put together puzzles and solve problems. So uh, math has always been my best subject. Um, I, you know, I was already ahead and taking uh, upperclassmen math and in high school and, you know, when I I graduated and went to college. Uh, a lot of what I was already doing in high school is what I was doing over again in, in college. So again, I went to Philip O'Berry Academy of Technology um, here in Charlotte, where I graduated from the Engineering Academy. And in the Engineering Academy, again, we used a lot of CAD. I've been using Autodesk since my freshman year in high school, and um, that helped a lot. Uh, again, I've used Autodesk Inventor, Autodesk uh, AutoCAD. I, I programmed uh, servo motors and um, you know hydrogen fuel cells. This is all stuff I was doing in you know my first two years of high school. So you know these things carried over to when I went to college and um, and then also in high school. You know to mention as well. You know I took two years of calculus, so both calculus A B and B C. Um, you know, of course, we all go through algebra and geometry and, you know, just going through these as far as methods. Uh, I mean, honestly, it's, it's, it's a matter of practice. And, you know, also as a as a math tutor currently, you know, that's something I, I stress a lot to my students is, is a lot of it's practice. I can do most of these equations and stuff in my head that, you know, they're struggling with because they're just getting to the point of learning it. And I always reassure them, like, look, 
you know, this is a little bit of a learning curve to you right now, but learning curves are, are always temporary things. They're things that go away with practice. They're things that go away with confidence in, in your numbers because math is an objective thing. You know, there's always a, a right answer. So, you know, if you don't feel confident in your answer, you need to practice more, you know, and that's that's one of the things I appreciated about my my education, both high school and in college was the uh, the, the importance they stressed on practice that, you know, a lot of what you a lot of what you learn and do in class is important, but what you do outside of the classroom is more important, in my opinion, than what you do in the classroom. And that applies to uh, the coursework, uh, applying the coursework and in internships, anybody in college, you know, I highly suggest, even if it's the smallest thing, anything relevant in experience um, is important. So if, you know, during your summers, uh, always, always shoot your best to get into an internship or co-op with whatever company that has uh, roles that are relative to the skills that you want to build. Uh, I would look into joining organizations that are based around your uh, your interest. I was in Nesby. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Nesby or any of the audience, but for the sake of the audience, either way, it's the National Society of Black Engineers. So it's a, and at least my chapter at ECU um, was such, so instrumental to being able to be exposed to other types of fields. We We all had different majors within engineering and you know just having that community in in math to generalize it um you know also helped a lot because we helped each other with homework we helped each other understand different uh concepts and stuff stuff we haven't even been exposed to because it's not a part of our major so i would i would definitely just stress practice um, finding community in your interest in your major and uh, finding ways to apply that knowledge and, um, you know, getting with the uh, internship or a co-op or, you know, just any type of way that even if you start your own business, any way that you can apply those skills, because that's what really cements it. So, yeah, that's really interesting. And I really love that message, you know, practice. It's just like uh, playing sports or you know, practicing, you know, doing a spelling bee. It's all just a matter of, you know, diligence and just telling yourself to keep trying this hard enough. And, you know, when it comes to practice, um, what are some of the examples you like to give to your um, students? What's some of the, what's some of like the practice methods or sort of routines that you like to teach them that you've worked out for yourself? Um, you know, repetition is, is really important. So, you know, um, I currently I work with students who are uh, in elementary school and middle school, but I've worked with students from elementary all the way to professionals going back to get their GED. So, you know, specifically in the earlier years uh, is where you have to hit home on repetition and you have to get them comfortable with repetition. So. Um, I do a lot of like uh, multiplication speed drills with my students, um, you know, even aside from what we do on paper, I try to get them to just put down pencil, put it, push away the paper, let's just run through it in our heads, you know, I try to give them different methods of 
running through it repeatedly um, over and over again and trying different problems. Um, another, another kind of approach that I have to it is, is getting them to explain uh, their methods to me and to be able to teach it to me. So, you know, I also, I guess you could say I act dumb in a way sometimes when I'm getting them to explain something to me. So if they're explaining, I don't know, slope, if they're explaining slope intercept form and we're talking about y equals mx plus b, you know, I'm like, okay, well, what does b stand for? What does m stand for? You know, why, why does it, you know, like I, I try to get them to, to be confident in what they're telling me because I know they know it. And that's the thing, you know, as, as, you know, I'm in my mid twenties now, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. I, I know, I can tell when someone understands what's going on and I want them to be confident in knowing it. So, you know, when I question them as if I don't know it and they're just like, oh, well, I mean, it's, it's simple. It's because it's X, Y, and Z. Then, you know, not only am I confident in their knowledge, but they are also confident in their knowledge. So um, I, the greatest way to learn is to be able to explain it. If you can teach it, then you know it. So, you know, I also, uh, I also encourage anybody who's in, in college or any type of education to find some type of uh, T or TA position or teacher's assistant position where they can be a part of the uh, education process because that gives them a better understanding of what it is they're talking about more than just being a student. And a lot of times that's the, the most impactful way of understanding it is teaching it. You're right. I mean, all it takes is confidence, but it's also not just confidence in yourself, but confidence in the material you're you're working with, because we both know math equations are pretty fragile. If you're off by just one number, just <laughs> one, the whole thing is wrong. It's very precise. So you got to make sure you, you can be confident, but you also got to be confident that you know what you're talking about, because any expert can look at it and be like, Nope, it's wrong. And you just be like, but I did the math. And it's like, you didn't carry the one or you forgot about the um, decimal. Yeah. So it's, it's just, it's, it can be tedious, but uh, it's always, it's so satisfying when you get the answer right. So satisfying. Yeah. But, um, you, you know, when you mentioned uh, being a part of the National uh, uh, Society of Black Engineers, you, I, I remember reading about that, and I know um, being a tutor and just being a part of just a community, I know it definitely had so many, it was just a really rewarding experience, I can only imagine. And not just, you know, that you were helping others, but you were being surrounded by so many, you know, smart, young, um, Black educators like yourself and engineers, ambitious people too. And, you know, stepping away from your role as a tutor for a second, I, I, I'm just really curious, was being a part of a community like that, how did that change you? Did you become like, let's say maybe more competitive of, of being in the fields you were in or did it like sort of humble you in a way? Did you feel like more open to, you know, letting yourself and your you know, dreams and your aspirations be known? How, like, what was it for you? How did it change you? Uh, you know, community is, is honestly the only reason I, I am where I am today you know community it definitely humbles you I don't I don't think community should have to humble you but 
um, you know, it does give you a a broader perspective of the of what's really going on. It, it gives you a bigger picture because when you're a part of a community, you understand, or at least when you're a part of an effective community, you understand that you know you're not the only puzzle piece to the you know to the full picture. At the end of the day, uh, you know when you are supported by a community. And as well as when you are giving opportunity to support others in that community, you are both receiving affirmation that your vision and, and what, what it is you feel called to do in this world is valid, but then to also share that same validation to other people and share that same support. Um, you know, you, you understand how much of an impact your, uh, I don't want to say, uh, I'll say I'll say contributions, your contributions to someone else can also lift them up and help them achieve greater things. So, you know, in any organization I've ever been a part of, you know, uh, it teaches me a lot more about, uh, you know, different cultures, different ways of life, different ways of thinking. And, you know, that enriches me itself because, you know, knowledge is is knowledge is power to exactly knowledge is power to a lot of things and you know then as well as that um you know my support system has been it's it's been crucial to my success because you know to have people who are invested in you know you succeeding and not with any you know uh, other uh not with any, you know, anything else going on in their mind, for lack of a better word or phrase, you know, about what they can get out of it, but just genuinely passionate about working through it with you, you know, uh, that has given me grace, that has given me uh, confidence and, and so many other things that I now afford to other people. So, you know, it's, it's I honestly I don't I don't think anybody can really make it as a one band man and at, or a woman and at the end of the day it's it, why would you want to you know it's it's like you have so much more peace when you you have someone that you can lean on and not that you should be like codependent but like you know people pouring into you just as much as you pour into them you know to have that balance and uh effort is is such a peaceful life and it's such an encouraging life and such a motivating life and you know i honestly would not be here today and what i've been able to accomplish without it yeah that's really something because like we say just being a part of community being amongst other people who share like the same goals and the same skills and the same interests as you just definitely it, it's really telling and it really just feels, I can't even think of the right word, just so genuine when you're, you can tell yourself, like, I'm not alone. Like, yeah. I'm with people who can, who can understand me. And so I've got to make just working with them, being a tutor, it's got to make all that just feel all the more rewarding, all the more fulfilling, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, because at the end of the day, you know, what I'm doing with these students are, you know, the same things I've had, you know, family, friends, uh, educators, or, you know, my own teachers have done for me. And, you know, I'm, I'm really big on, I don't think education should cost anything. So, 
even being a private tutor now to where, you know, they they would like to pay me feels different because I'm like, just knowledge should be shared for free. You know, it shouldn't cost you anything to I mean, yes, a lot of people feel like you should be paid worth your effort. And that's that's fine. I understand that. But, you know, I always I always feel like knowledge should be 1000 percent accessible no matter what your tax bracket is or what you can afford. So even now, as I've charged before, you know, like I don't charge anything expensive because at the end of the day, I want someone to have, uh, you know, access to resources that they need to excel. So, you know, I, I think that's extremely important to be able to pour into young minds and, and older minds, you know, just as my mind has been poured into. So basically, if it were up to you, you you'd be just handing out books to people and walking by just being able to say, okay, man, understand this, like this is for free, take this. Oh, I would love to. I love when I see like those little, uh, those little shelves that are in like the, the middle of uh, parks and stuff that have like books in them that people can just take and hopefully return. Um, you know, I, I would love to open like my own yeah. coffee shop or, or I'm a tea person. I my own little tea <laughs> shop one day where, you know, people can just, it's pretty much like a, a, a library, but it's in the form of a tea shop. You know, I, I love stuff like that. I love any way to share information, knowledge, wisdom with, you know, anybody possible. That's the, that's the big goal. Random. Okay. Uh, before I move on, random question. What tea do you, what tea would you say is overrated? Ooh, overrated tea. Oh, I don't know if I can find it in me. Um, like green overrated? tea, Palmer. Uh, well, no, those those two are my top. Um, I would say overrated tea. I don't know. That's a question that's making me think. Maybe I haven't drank as much tea as I I thought. I, I I can't I can't answer completely to overrated tea, but I can tell you my favorite ones, which so far have been ginger, um, French vanilla, and uh green tea those are my those are my top three i can't say i'm i'm that 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 much of an expert in tea yet where i found the overrated one yeah i've liked all the ones i've tried uh honestly you know i don't drink enough tea if i'm telling the truth mm-hmm. like like i know my my tea tastes are kind of slim when i'm just like ordering like one little thing at starbucks or something and mm-hmm. on that tea like i like I usually like, I like the, uh, I like um, I do like peach oolong tea. That's that's mm, pretty good. That's good. Yeah, that's good. But uh, never been a green tea person. But uh, and usually in Starbucks they have like the strawberry acai refreshers mm. at um, Starbucks. Uh, those are my favorite. But yeah, no tea, tea is. The times I have I have had tea, it's kind of soothing, really. Yeah, it's a great way to wake up. It's a great way to relax. It's it's a great way to to clear your mind. It's and it's great. Def- and it definitely works better than coffee. <laughs> I it's, it's my better alternative to coffee. I won't I won't knock anybody on coffee, but I I, I prefer. It. Yeah, but uh, you know, going back to it, um, your role as an educator. I remember you were 
if you could um, open up here coffee shops and you know give that knowledge and teach your class, I had another thing I was thinking of, but I want to um, um, put that aside for right now. Mm-hmm. When you just when you're able to like if you're able to open up your own shop and just give and just teach, have your own um, classes and have your own coffee shops with books and everything. For people who will be interested in like your courses or what you have to teach, what's the one thing besides being confident, what's the one thing you would tell them they need to know first? Uh, as far as a, a course or, um, I, I, I mean, personally, I feel like the, the first step in knowledge should always be about, you know, knowing yourself. And I feel like um, one of the, the first things I would be big on preaching about or teaching about or sharing any type of wisdom would be on, you know, uh, different ways in, in uh, you know, spending time with yourself and the importance of it and, and being able to um, put more effort into taking care of yourself than you are putting into your next move. Um, Because I feel like a lot of people's uh, understanding of life or what they want out of life comes from, uh, you know, what the environment's provided for them to live or to exist. And I feel like if people were to able, if people were able to enrich the way they live or, or why they, or, you know, how they have to exist or survive, you know, their mindset would change a lot more about what it is they want out of the world. And then, from there, um, you know, it, it's, I would just share a lot more about like, um, you know, career development and even just finding your interests and hobbies in life. I feel like a lot of people are, are far from understanding what it is they love about life or what it is they, they want out of life because their life so far has been, uh, you know, working and, and just doing every little possible side hustle or something to survive and you know when you're in survival mode you don't think about yourself you think about what puts food in your mouth what puts a roof over your head which takes care of what takes care of your 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 little siblings or your kids if you have any when you're in survival mode you don't get to be yourself you you get to be alive yeah yeah you're a hunter gatherer mindset of you're just worrying about like the today and like yeah. instead of like the future, or, like the past. Yeah, that's like surviving. You're you're more focused on like just living, like thinking about what do I want? What what do I know like my family really needs? How how can I like push forward and move myself? So you're thinking more on like sort of like not just the short but the long term as well. Yeah, because when you when you provide for yourself properly, take care of yourself properly, and you know, I'm not saying I not saying it's like I have it figured out. I'm, <laughs> believe me, I'm still a student in it. But, you know, as I've come to understand this stuff about myself and I've learned more stuff about myself, my perspective about what it is I want out of life and what it is I want to uh, even provide in this world, you know, has changed a lot. And I think it's changed a lot more for the better because it's about who i truly am and i think that's what's important for people that's magnificent so you know as we talk about living and as we talk about you know how to break out of the sort of survival mode one thing has always helped people live rather than just survive and that 
is where I want to transition to another thing I wanted to talk to you about, Sky, and that is art. You see, mm-hmm. what I took a I watched a few tutorials on using AutoCAD mm-hmm. and using the uh, modeling behind it, and it reminded me a lot of a long time ago, back in 2015, where I was doing uh, computer programming through a software called Maya. And mm-hmm. I was able, you, you know, Maya. So yeah. I was able to like build my own like little house, my own like little uh, house with a bedroom and everything. And it was definitely, it, it was really satisfying to see it um, just modeled out in 3D. But one thing they didn't tell me beforehand was, and one thing I saw, like the same thing I saw when I was seeing the AutoCAD tutorials was the incredible tedium that comes through just fleshing it all out. And cause you're being very precise with every line, every shape, yeah. every everything. And yet it's because of that tedium that you're able to create what people would call art. So Sky, when you're using, when you're using AutoCAD and all the other softwares that you um, you know, used to build out these sort of 3D models. How do you like see the art in what you design? How do you see like just how do you, how do you see it? How do you see that art, Sky? Um, you know, a lot of times it for me it uh, again because I'm I'm a very logical person. You know, it it comes out of function in purpose. So, you know, a lot of what makes designing something or what makes, uh, you know, bringing something together for me personally, at least is, you know, the the purpose or the inspiration or the the function behind things, you know, that's why I, I typically fall behind when it comes to stuff that's more abstract, because my mind can't just throw together random things and be okay with it. But, you know, when it comes to what I've created or what I've designed, you know, uh, a lot of times it's, it's function, it's, it's purpose or it's meaning, uh, you know, so last year, um, I was blessed to work on this project, uh, for, I was working for the, the company I work for, you know, Iconics Metalworks. Um, I was working for the company I work for, but I was also, we were partnering with, my former high school uh, to donate a memorial sculpture for their uh, memorial garden. So, um, you know, that garden to anybody who's, you know, been to my high school, you know, that garden is something special to us because unfortunately we have lost a lot of students over the years and that kind of gave us a place of, you know, belonging with them. So, um, you know, to have the purpose to, create something that was something for the school to marvel at something that gave you know uh the the current students uh comfort you know over their loss you know something that made something so ugly beautiful um that helped bring together the inspiration and the design to where the current students actually used the software that i was trained on when i was there at high school and you know autocad and inventor to design the a lot of the components and then i as you know a current alumnus you know 
was able to use the same software and other techniques as well that I've learned through college and just my general experience as a as an engineer now we we put these things together to create this beautiful sculpture that we um we installed in the memorial garden and you know when it whether it's the because we're my high school our, our uh, mascot is the cardinal so you know our our main colors are uh, red gold uh, white and black and um you know from the the red we used in in some of the paint to um, you know, some of the cardinals that the students created and um, even the feathers that they, they created and a lot of this stuff I, um, you know, I kind of changed it a little bit to make it manufacturable because, you know, a lot of the youth have really big ideas, but sometimes it's not necessarily, uh, we're not able to complete it or create it exactly as is. So I tweaked a few things, but, um, you know, just what it came out to be was, um, it, it was it was so beautiful and you know sometimes i go back to look at it now and you know it it makes me a little emotional but uh, you know bringing it together again i was looking at what it meant to those students i was looking at what will give it longevity and, and structure to hold over time uh you know the i wanted the paint and the, the colors to to hold true to what it meant to be a cardinal, you know, at our school, and you know, these things is what brought that art together. And um, you know, again, I, I see that. That's what I appreciate about a lot of the automotive industry. Again, is you know how function came to art. You know, JDM took uh, less and made a whole lot out of it. You know, where you have uh, you know old uh nissans and mazdas and, and toyotas that are just as capable as a lot of new cars today from you know the r34 gtr to the rx7 uh, fd to you know i love seeing function and purpose come to something beautiful and you know that is typically how i see art coming together wow Honestly, I really want to see that cardinal sculpture now. You gotta send me a picture. That uh, really, I really want to see because that's an incredible story, and and just just hearing just how how it made you feel to see that work completed and all the effort and all the just support that came through with uh, making such honestly just such a proud monument of of your school. That's it's it's just that's it's just as you said it's beautiful it's touching it's yeah. incredible and it reminded me a lot of when you're talking about sculpture it reminded me a lot of just the just the thought and the imagination and just the dedication i know other artists have put together because uh, you know kehinde wiley i'm sorry can you repeat it again kehinde wiley i don't know if i pronounced his first name right He's an artist uh, famous for building, or uh, sorry, not building, painting a portrait of, I believe it was uh, Barack Obama. Uh, okay. Was, uh, yeah, he created this sculpture called uh, Rumors of War, and mm -hmm. it was based off the uh, Confederate statues down south. And instead of a you know white Confederate on a horse, it was a yes. uh, black man right now. Have you seen it? 
I'm trying to I'm trying to remember what it is now. I'm pulling it up for for a minute, but um, yeah, rumors of war sculpture. The rumors of war sculpture. Okay, okay. I I think I've seen this before. Yeah, I, I I've seen this before. Yeah, and yeah, that that that's me. Like it took just the same level of like concentration, math, and just mm-hmm. towards vision behind it. So anyway, you had like your vision, like somebody else had that sort of just drive and way of just logic in terms of figuring it all out. So when you see other sculptures and when you see maybe not even just sculptures, just monuments, like let's say the Empire State Building or the Golden Gate Bridge or the Burj Khalifa to just even like even older, let's say statues like Statue of Liberty or anything. Like when you see like these incredible, like just architectural wonders, mm-hmm. like what are some of the things you that like just hit, hit your mind? What are things that just like get you like thinking about when you see these things, just knowing the amount of time, effort and diligence that went into them? Uh, what's, what's funny is, is before I started working for uh, my current company, you know, I didn't have a lot of knowledge of, of architecture and construction. So I, I always saw things as this, this perfectly built thing that came together, you know, with a, a bunch of great and phenomenal minds that just threw all the numbers and all the right things together and just, oof, you have this masterpiece. And, you know, being with my company for two years now, uh, what i've learned is it's a lot of these things are so imperfect and there's a lot of lot a lot of things that go wrong in the midst of the the manufacturing or the creation of these buildings or these these sculptures and stuff and um you know that's what gave it so much more of a a rush to me because it's like at the end of the day you know so much so much went right for it to look as great as it does but then i'm also i also think about the complexities where i'm just like wow there were a lot of mistakes made on the way to getting that right but you know it i I love it i marvel at it um you know i i see like for example we have uh, the duke energy building and um in charlotte here and it's it's this it's a tall skyscraper and it kind of has like this little uh, this little open space that runs between the the very top and and the bottom. It, it's it's almost like if you have a, a handle on a, a water jug. You know that's a very terrible way to explain it, but for lack of a better way of explaining it, um, you know it's it's this really beautiful building. And when I look at it, I'm just like, wow. You know, from the architects that put it together to the engineers that had to find a way to make that work to even code and compliance that people had to run through to figure out you know how this can work and you know not become a danger to somebody like that's something i look at now especially when i've created a lot of staircases and railings a lot of like commercial and residential uh, architectural accessories and you always have to think about like okay well you know, 
like there's a common rule within architecture and construction is like when you have railings and they have like pickets in the middle it can't uh, a four inch spear can't go between the pickets because you have to think of like okay what if a child can fit through this if they fit through this and fall out of it like we don't want a child to fall three stories so like i i i look at stuff like that and you know it makes me think a lot more about some of the stuff i see because i'm like this is a beautiful marvel but how many codes did it violate on the way how many codes were people able to get away with not you know conforming to but you know also at the same time when i see some people create this this uh this work that looks beautiful it follows all the codes and you know it it's just engineered great it's like sometimes that's the art itself is how did you put together this thing that works perfectly when it's not supposed to or it looks you know the way it does uh when it looks like an engineering nightmare you know for the engineers itself so um i don't know i, I look at it completely different it's 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 a beautiful thing it's a, it's a beautiful nightmare I'll, I'll call it that because i i see the aesthetics and it's it's gorgeous but as the engineers and as people who had to put it together it's like the greatest headache that we're glad came together <laughs> a beautiful nightmare yeah that's looking back on it that's just that's a lot of confusing like conflicting emotions right there because it's like on one hand <laughs> this is a genius work but on the other hand it's like oh if only uh yeah. if only done that way but you know i imagine that the engineers themselves and the architects just had a lot of those thoughts in mind when they were building this because we both know like big achievements big big projects they can have they can they can be so difficult they can have your hair falling out and everything they can be just like oh i hate this hey, that's, that's why my hair is gone now <laughs> <laughs> no but yeah but, you're you're absolutely right but uh you know like i said it all leads to just that very concept of art art takes time art is that's why i consider the mine was i named just so just so perfect so encapsulating so ethereal honestly so as we start to run up these questions as you we continue to have these talks of like just the complexities of it all mm -hmm. i'm i'm curious about one thing uh well actually a few things but my first thing is how has that made, how is just seeing all these monuments and having all these thoughts, how have they made you more self-conscious of your own designs and of your own way of doing things? Um, I, it's, it's opened a lot of my mind to what can be done. Um, I think that's the great thing about discovering or exploring and, you know, even being within, again, being within community and having people to discuss these, these thoughts and ideas with is it gives me more capacity you know for for bigger things it gives me uh more it gives me more inspiration to think further than just my initial thought it gives me uh you know a, a drive to find how i can uh break different barriers that we we've never seen or thought of before so it just makes me dig further into my mind at the end of the day it, it it, it tells me it's a, it's a promise that's that there's more. I love that a promise that there's more. 
this is honestly that would make me even just more excited to do what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, it, it's done a lot for me. Done a lot for you. Now, as for my uh, last question, in your own words, as we've continued to wrap these uh, questions, I know you've you've been like you say you've been moving on to like more logical point of views rather than like the abstract, especially when it comes to designing and with art and everything, but. As we've talked about, there is definitely just the complexity and everything, and just the just the frustrating tedium that creates such art, such as the monuments we've seen, the sculpture you've made, and the 3D modeling you've done. So I ask you, Sky, in your own thoughts and in your own words, what is art to you? I, you know, it, it's kind of cliche in a way, but art to me is expression and art to me is is very much um uh, passion uh curated into some medium you know for other people to um you know create their their own ideas or passions out of it that's that's the best way i can put it it's art is is a is a platform or an opportunity to you know take out of your mind what the world or what a topic or what a sound or just what something means to you and giving other people the opportunity to consume it and then you know uh, pull out of themselves you know what it means to them you know as we listen to music as we listen as we uh, see monuments and sculptures and different architecture as we, um, you know, build cars and, and make them do all these these crazy things. You know, it's it's always someone's passion for a topic or for some type of purpose that made them create. And whatever they created is art itself. And the beautiful thing about art is it, it inspires someone else to create so it's the, the gift that just keeps giving and you know it, it'll always just be simply you know a platform to express and inspire others to create inspire others to create same way it's kind of inspired you to create when you got into cars you know when i had an artistic mind and they put together their own Bentley or their own Mercedes. <laughs> you know, I gotta tell you, man, just art is pretty much all around us, just in the house we house we live in, the cars we drive, the clothes on our backs. Art art is us. Art is us. We are we are the 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 start of it all. We are the source of it, you know. Um, you know, the minds that you know God has given us and, and the ideas in them, you know, we are source of our art. Yes, art is ubiquitous. So that is it for this episode of the upcoming. I want to give another big thank you to my guest, uh, Sky RL. Thank you so much, Sky, for joining us today. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for this episode of the upcoming. And be sure to tune in next week for episode 15. So, we'll be uh, be sure to let you all know about the updates and notifications on our Instagram. Uh, that's the underscore upcoming podcast. Uh, find us on Insta and be sure to check out more of our episodes on Spotify. And so we'll see you all next week and good night.
night. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to the upcoming. If you like this, please sure to follow us on Spotify for more amazing content. The best is yet to come. Take care, everybody.